In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. This is the I Spy Radio Show. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Keeping an eye on big government. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. The trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. And now, here is your host, Mark Anderson. I'd like you to turn on your imagination for a moment. I want you to imagine a world where government censors are in your church. Not secretly hidden among the congregation to spy on things, but right up front on the stage. Imagine that first Sunday when you arrive at church. There he is, in a matching chair right next to your pastor. Everything goes along fine initially because the government censor had previously approved the announcements and hymns, although some had different lyrics than you seem to remember. And then after a rather bland prayer, your pastor is usually much more fiery than this, your pastor starts his sermon. But then, just when he starts condemning sin and the need for repentance, the censor suddenly pops up, covers the mic, and whispers in the pastor's ear. Although you can't quite hear, you can tell your pastor isn't going along with whatever the censor is telling him to do, at which point the censor looks over and motions someone to come forward, and two armed security guards you hadn't noticed come over and lead your pastor away. It's nice to think that wouldn't ever happen here. But if you already know just how far down the road of censorship we are, and if you're unafraid to face the brutal truth, then you know this is not out of the realm of possibility. And it certainly could and would happen if people do not stand up to the censorship that is already among us. We have a tendency to use First Amendment as synonymous with free speech. But what are the other rights guaranteed, allegedly, by our First Amendment? Freedom of religion, freedom of the press, right to peacefully assemble, the right to petition your government for a redress of grievances. We can and will lose our other First Amendment freedoms if we remain silent on the censorship and other attacks on our free speech. Your speech is already being monitored. The 2020 election exposed just how far our own government was willing to go to censor opinions it did not like, meaning anything that could hurt Biden's election chances, like Hunter's laptop and all the incriminating evidence against Joe Biden on it. Do you remember that? Twitter and Facebook actually banned the New York Post, the press, when they broke the news about Hunter's laptop. No, no one was allowed to talk about that, or that the election was stolen, or even that the government was spying on and censoring people and opinions they didn't want discussed. And how ironic is that, that the government was censoring discussion of its own censorship? On today's show, it's all about exposing censorship and defending free speech. I'd like to welcome now Austin Vander Hayden. He is the Municipal Affairs Liaison for the Goldwater Institute. Austin, it is great to talk to you. Hey, thanks so much for having me on today. Yeah, so you guys are out there fighting for um, the principles of limited government, economic freedom, and individual liberty. But tell us a little bit more about Goldwater Institute, because I, I know some in our audience probably have not heard about you guys. What do you guys do as an organization, and, and, and what's your particular piece of the pie there? Yeah, so here at the Goldwater Institute, we're based in Phoenix, Arizona, but we do work uh, at the local level, which is my personal role. Uh, so I handle policy at the local level, whether it's county board supervisors, city councils, and school districts, uh, mostly in Arizona, but also you know everywhere else in the country. We work in legislatures, we work in the courtrooms, 
uh, in Arizona and, and all the way across the country fighting for limited government, uh, for property rights, free speech rights, and, and just really individual liberty all, all across America. And I was just going to ask you that. So you work more than just inside Arizona. You work with city councils and school boards all across the country, yes? Uh, yes. I've, I've uh, started with Goldwater about two years ago, and so far my focus has been mostly Arizona, but we're starting to expand uh, a little bit more uh, as the team kind of grows. Great, great. Because I know that you guys, uh, you guys also take on uh, legal cases, and so if people have cases where they run afoul of uh, their local school boards or city governments and stuff, it sounds like you guys would be a place to contact. So free speech is our topic today with both you and our next guest. The Goldwater Institute has been out there defending free speech for some time. Among other things, I see 35 court cases of yours going back to 2010. And on your issues page, there's this, quote, government is increasingly violating the critical democratic right to speak out on political matters. I'm, I'm curious, has Goldwater done any analysis in this area of why the government is attacking free speech more and more, especially since it's the government's job to defend free speech? Not so much a deep dive, but I can tell you, I mean, just the polarization of America, I think, is, yes. is really kind of lending a hand to this. Um, you know, it's more of a us versus them mentality than ever before these days. And I think that uh, the role of governments has really been uh, abused lately. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that's that's kind of seeming to happen more and more at the local level, especially uh, I think COVID kind of opened up a lot of people's eyes mm. uh, from that perspective. But I think a lot of people have kind of a misconception of local government thinking that it's the safest form of government because you know, a lot of people know their city council members, they'll see them at a local coffee shop, whatever it is. But at the same time, local government has the, the largest impact on your day-to-day -day life. You know, the federal government can go and spend some massive spending package or whatever it may be. And yes, it's going to have an impact on you, but your local government might do a rezoning or, or in this case, attack someone's, you know, free speech rights, whatever that may be. And that's going to have a much greater impact on your day-to-day -day personal life. So I think that that's, that's something that people are becoming more aware of in the local government. And to be honest with you, I think that a lot of this stuff has been happening for a long time, but again, I think COVID happened and, and people started becoming more aware. Um, so I think it's, it's kind of a mixture of, of those types of things. It, it was certainly eye-opening to see our own government attack people for exercising their opinions about things, whether it was COVID itself or the origins of it or the vaccines, any number of things, and, and certainly trying to protest having their businesses shut down. But the government came in and just totally clamped down on that. You know, which should be more protected, government speech or people speech? Because we know what it should be, but right now it seems like it's really the opposite. Yeah, I think that part of the government's job is to protect people's rights. I mean, that's at the base level, that is the job of the government, right? And uh, and when the government starts attacking individuals for their own thoughts and their own opinions and speech, uh, that's that's when you start to have a problem. And that's yeah. that's just increasingly happening more and more often. Well, it's, it's shocking that because the government has the power of government to protect government speech, uh, but they should be out there protecting people's speech. A big and dangerous development right now, I think, is this notion that some speech is more free than others and ought to be more protected than others. It's a bit like that line from Orwell's uh, Animal Farm, all animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. I mean, isn't this a massive slippery slope here when you're deciding which speech ought to be free and which should not be? For sure it is. And I think uh, there's, a, there's a quote that I always talk about, and it's hate speech is just speech that they hate. And mm -hmm. that's that's really a great line to, to point back to is yes. 
who's deciding what's allowed and what isn't. It, it's just, I think that again, lends to the polarization. If you don't like something, that doesn't mean that someone doesn't have a right to say it. And, uh, and we just keep seeing that happening more and more like, like we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's really dangerous when one, you know, in most cases too, it's unelected bureaucrats that are mm-hmm. doing this. Mm-hmm. It, it might not even be a city council. It might just be city manager or some other town or city employee that's kind of setting these guidelines or implementing these policies that behind the scenes taxpayers don't even know about and their, their rights are getting infringed on and they have no clue. Yes. So, um, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty incredible. It is, and uh, we're going to be talking about some of those city employees. We are talking about uh, free speech and its censorship today. Stay with us. We'll give you a specific, real world example of free speech being attacked and censored by government. That next with Austin Vander Hayden. He's from the Goldwater Institute. Stay with us. And welcome back. This is the Ice Pie Radio Show. We're talking about free speech today while we're still allowed to do it and under the authoritarians in power, if they're allowed to continue, don't think for a moment they wouldn't love to take that away. And uh, we are talking with Austin Vander Hayden. He's from the Goldwater Institute in Arizona, and he is their municipal affairs liaison. They are a free market public policy research and litigation organization dedicated to advancing the principles of limited government economic freedom and individual liberty. And one of their areas of focus is on free speech. You can find out more about them and the work they do by visiting goldwaterinstitute.org. And we'll link that up on today's show page, which is 1407 on com. So uh, you got our attention thanks to an article in the Epic Times titled Big Brother Town Department Paid to Spy on Private Social Media Posts that Do Not Align with Woke Beliefs. So give us a quick overview of what happened there. Yeah, so in Gilbert, Arizona, it's a town of about 250,000 people, um, and it's right outside of Phoenix, just a a quiet suburb outside of Phoenix. And um, there is a group of unelected bureaucrats in this Office of Digital Government who they are patrolling speech, whether it's spying on individual social media accounts, uh, they'll report individuals uh, that post or comment or like things that they don't agree with. In this case, it's progressive politics. Um, and so if you're not conforming to that kind of speech or thought, they'll report you to your, you know, your supervisor and expect you to be reprimanded. And it's also incredible because they've taken the ability of each individual department to post something on social media away from those departments. So the example I always point to, if the fire department wants to put out a memo saying, Hey, there's an increased fire risk today, they can't do that without first getting permission from this office of digital government. So they've entirely, they've centralized all of the power and all of the communications from the town and they're spying on individual employees and then they'll report them for not, you know, conforming to this kind of political agenda that they see fit. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's really alarming what's happened out there. It is alarming that any city would do this, but of course we're seeing it at the federal and state levels as well. I imagine this kind of really hit home because, I mean, this literally happened in your guys' backyard. It, the town of Gilbert is about 15 miles or so from your headquarters there in Phoenix. Um, did it catch you all by surprise, or have you seen warning signs before this happened uh, that it was going on in other parts of Arizona so it wasn't really that big of a surprise? No, this is a huge surprise. Um, you know, they're, they're also, I should point out, they're spending $1.1 million worth of taxpayer money on just the salaries of this mm. department. Uh, the head of the Office of Digital Government is making $200,000 to spy on people. Um, but no, there's 
this is the this is the alarming thing is this is really the first municipality that we've looked into. This could be happening in Oregon. This could be happening uh, in other places in Arizona. It could be happening anywhere. And mm. and this is really the first instance we've seen of it. Uh, but it could be happening all over the place. This started off as just a regular communications department. And as the years have gone by, they've kind of evolved. At first, they started taking away the rights of those individual departments to post. Then they started spying. And it's just progressively kind of gotten worse. And so, yeah, this is something that taxpayers had no clue about. So when this was brought to taxpayers' attention, uh, you should have seen the town council meeting. There were so many people that were frustrated about their rights being infringed on without them even knowing it. Uh, and so it's caused quite an uproar here in Arizona. Sure. Well, um, certainly got a sense of that by reading that article. And, you know, as you say, it started kind of innocently enough, but it just got progressively worse. And there is that slippery slope that, that we that everybody yeah. that looks at this, they keep warning people about is if you let this happen, it's going to just get worse and worse. Um, from that article, there was this quote, the Gilbert Office of Digital Government, ODG, has urged town workers to support LGBTQ and Black Lives Matter causes. So we all know that theoretically, government and public officials are not supposed to use their positions nor public resources to endorse or support politicians. But the loophole here seems to be that while they don't endorse politicians, they do absolutely do uh, use their positions and public resources to support partisan ideology. Uh, they support abortion, they support climate change, they support green energy, and in this case, uh, supporting the LGBTQ, XYZ, and Black Lives Matter. I mean, that right there, shouldn't a public office get in trouble for urging support of any political ideology? And, and why are they not in trouble? They should. Um, but to be honest with you, this is being pushed as well by the city manager. And he's kind of the one who created this department. Um, and the council has just kind of swept it under the rug. It's it's really a mess what's happened in Gilbert, honestly. And yeah, this Dana Birchman is her name. She's the head of the Office of Digital Government. She's posting all of these things in favor of Black Lives Matter. And, uh, you know, she's got the filter on her Facebook profile picture of I voted for Biden Harris and all this stuff. And she's outspokenly in favor of some of these, you know, far left groups or, or whatever that may be. And it's totally fine for her to do that on her personal social media. But when some other town employee post something conservative or like something conservative, that's when it becomes a problem. So it's very hypocritical. And I've tried to stress this. This would be an issue if, if this was a conservative government, Yes, you know, yeah. uh, infringing on, on free speech rights on liberal employees. This should not be happening in either direction. Mm -hmm. It just happens in this case. It's, it's more of the liberal side uh, patrolling the conservative. And, well, and that's, yeah, it, it is a huge problem and it, it shouldn't happen. And it seems to be more and more almost exclusively a problem with those on the left. I mean, um, we're, we're seeing that in, in all of these other states that also have similar uh, um, programs to what Oregon is doing with its elections monitoring. I believe there are 26 states that are doing that and they all, all of those programs are being led by Democrats. So I don't know why the Democrats suddenly think that this kind of censorship is okay, but uh, that's where we're at. Um, so uh, according to the article, the Goldwater Institute obtained, quote, dozens of documents through a public re records request, which you then shared with the Epic Times. Beside the memo where the town urged city workers to not take sides unless it was the left side, was there any documentation that just really leaped off the page at you? I think the documentation that leaped off the page was was just their internal communications. And I mean, we're talking about if there was an individual person that was liking something on Facebook or Twitter or whatever that might be, they would immediately take a screenshot of it and send it to 
you know, the fire chief, the police mm. chief, whoever it may be, saying, look at what this person likes, as if it's a crime to have your own opinion outside of work. And that was just fascinating because it's, it's like they had a dossier of all these different people's social media accounts, wow. just just kind of saying, you know, this is this is what this person's saying. Do something about it, and mm-hmm. and and they did, and they would they would bring them in. There's documentation of the fire chief bringing in individual firefighters to essentially slap their hands and say, you know, don't do this. Wow. Uh, it, it, it's incredible. So I think that was. That was probably the more concerning thing yeah. well, uh, out of all of this. Welcome to 1984. Uh, absolutely. All right, uh, everyone stay with us. Still more to talk about what is happening in Gilbert, Arizona, where their city officers decided to attack speech they didn't agree with. It's not just federal agencies and states doing this. It's now city governments, too. More with Austin Vander Hayden, the municipal affairs liaison for the Goldwater Institute, who got to see the city's censorship up close and personal back after this. Austin Vander Hayden is the Municipal Affairs Liaison for the Goldwater Institute. You can find out more about them by heading to goldwaterinstitute.org. They are based in Arizona, and Arizona is openly experiencing what Oregon is perhaps a little less quietly experiencing, where the town of Gilbert, Arizona, was caught uh, paying an AI firm. Uh, actually, you guys, it wasn't an AI firm. It was actually city employees doing this, wasn't it? Yes, it was. That's what I thought. Okay, so, well, um, that has been going on. That kind of spying has been going on here in Oregon with the elections divisions use of an actual AI firm to monitor and censor people. And uh, so uh, people need to know what is what we're seeing here really is happening elsewhere. And this is this is where it's going, folks, this kind of spying by your city officials. So what's been the response of citizens there in Gilbert, Arizona? We talked a little bit about this briefly. You talked about that that town hall meeting, uh, but also the surrounding cities uh, to this government surveillance. What, what are their thoughts? Yes, I can tell you, uh, one of the former mayors of Gilbert actually came forward and said, this is a massive problem. Uh, You know, let's let's stop spending taxpayer money on this. Take a million dollars out of their budget and and let's add more firefighters and more police officers. And Mm so we've heard former elected officials in Gilbert even come forward and ask for a change here. Um, The town came out and said, you know, no, nothing to see here. We, you know, we completely deny all these allegations. And then they said, we don't, we're, we've made it clear that we don't accept intolerant or divisive speech, uh, but we're not, we're not, you know, we didn't do anything wrong. So they're admitting, yeah, you know, there's certain things that we won't allow and we're going to censor your rights, but don't, just let's not talk about it anymore. So mm-hmm. it's pretty incredible to see them kind of doubling down on this, but uh, yeah, other towns haven't really said anything about it. Uh, they haven't really looked too much into it, to be honest with you. I wouldn't be shocked if this was happening in more places than Gilbert. That's so exactly for that reason, thinking. they're probably not trying to speak out. That's exactly what yeah. I was thinking. They're being yeah. quiet so because I, they don't want anybody to look too closely at them. <laughs> correct. And and we have talked about uh, submitting some public records requests to other towns, other municipalities out here. Uh, Goldwater Institute has a huge transparency uh, kind of project that we've been working on for several years now. I'd, I'd actually uh, like to point people to openmygovernment.org. Uh, openmygovernment.org. We've got templates on there for filling out public records requests. We've got the different laws for every individual state. It's a great way to kind of open the, you know, open the scenes on what's going on with your local government, state government, whatever that may be, to kind of see, you know, what they're actually up to. Oh, I, I love it. Uh, and that's openmygovernment.org. We'll put that up on iSpyRadio.com today in the show notes. From that article, it sounded like a lot of people were basically uh, reading the town council there, the Riot Act. Uh, I'm curious, did anyone speak up in favor of this censorship? 
there were some people, including a former mayoral candidate, um, who was known for being pretty progressive, but they were out there saying, you know, we love this department. They've done a great job uh, with the communications of this town and all this stuff. So they were they were more supportive of the department. They didn't they didn't say, yeah, we love censoring speech. Uh, I feel like that probably wouldn't have gone over too well. But they were they were outwardly supportive of this department uh, and and doing communications. And if this was just a simple communications department, great, you know, they're doing their job. But they're they're going so far above and beyond what they were originally intended for. And I think, again, it's that slippery slope mm-hmm. and it's kind of unintended consequences of letting this go on for so long that this is where we've gotten now is people's rights are being infringed on. And it's only a matter of time before this happens in other places if it isn't happening already. Oh, a- absolutely. Um, so you had mentioned a former mayor there, and I have this, um, Steve Berman, who served three terms as Gilbert's mayor, warned that the town was leaving itself open for a lawsuit if it didn't abolish the ODG, this surveillance uh, division here. So are they ripe for a lawsuit? And if so, how would they approach that? I think they certainly could be. It just depends on uh, on kind of if someone comes forward talking about you know they were wrongfully terminated because of their free speech rights or, or whatever that may be. Hmm. But I think that, that them and Well, well they've, they've certainly created a hostile work environment. Certainly, yeah. The the other thing is they've actually accused the mayor of this office of digital cover- government has accused the mayor of creating a hostile work environment. Oh, wow. And so the, the council and, and this office are kind of at odds. And it's again, Gilbert's just kind of a mess right now, you know, in total. So, um, but yeah, I, I just think that this office uh, has been operating under this, this process for far too long. And I think that, you know, whether it's a lawsuit or a policy change, um, I, I think that the people in Gilbert are ready for something to be to be different. Well, I certainly liked what he said, uh, Steve Berman, the, the former mayor there. He said the role of government is to provide our citizens with things they can't provide for themselves. Roads, sewers, fire protection, police protection, garbage pickup, and the like. The Office of Digital Government doesn't do any of those things. It just spies on the community and reports to the city manager. I mean, I, I think he absolutely nailed that there. But I, I found this to be kind of troubling is that Town Councilor Jim Torgensen told local uh, television news station uh, AZ News, which did a segment on the controversy, that 20 minutes after posting a survey on his private Facebook page, that he got a call from the ODG staff member to take the post down. And he says, and this is the troubling part of it, he says, that was amazing to realize that they were monitoring my private Facebook posts, he said. But, you know, to me, that says in order for that to happen, doesn't that mean that ODG must have some kind of contract with Facebook that allows them to peer into people's private posts? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure of the specifics of, of a contract with Facebook or, or anything like that, but I do know that that is true. I've talked to Jim Torgerson myself, and um, you know, if, they, if they're spying on a town council member, they're spying on a, a lot of other people as well. And uh, you know, it's just a survey. It's a survey, a town survey that wasn't approved by this Office of Digital Government to be put out quite yet. And uh, they'll do anything they can to make sure that they can control speech and the narrative that's coming from the town. Hmm. Well, I'd like to end with this. This is also from that article. Joanna uh, Chudzinski, another resident who testified during the recent public meetings uh, session, said that she found it hypocritical that Ms. Birchman, the director of that ODG board, locked down her own Twitter account after having monitored the accounts of others. Her account is now listed as protected and access is available only to, quote, approved followers. And that is just... The height of hypocrisy right there. But uh, we are up against the clock. Uh, Austin, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. 
case you missed it, Oregon and other states have already set up AI monitoring and censorship programs to combat what they claim is MDM, mis, dis, or malinformation. And in particular, they are monitoring and censoring what their political opponents say about elections because nothing says democracy like only Democrats deciding what non-Democrats are allowed to say about Democrats. We just heard what is happening in Gilbert, Arizona, where a city department was monitoring its citizens and its city, uh, city employees. And these sort of dystopian Orwellian censorship programs will only get worse unless they are stopped. And to talk about the wider context and censorship happening all across America, I'd like to welcome Joseph Vasquez to the show. He is the associate editor for the Media Research Center's Free Speech America and oversees Free Speech America's Censor Track Project, which involves documenting cases of big tech bias against conservatives. Joseph, thanks for joining us today. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So the Media Research Center has been around since 1987, got going in the final years there of Reagan, and uh, they have worked to expose and counter the leftist bias of the national news media. So I think most of our audience has probably at least heard of them, but uh, they also have the projects that you're working on now. Uh, Tell us about Free Speech America and its Censor Track project. Well, as you said, the Media Research Center has been following, you know, media bias, you know, for decades, you know, since the Reagan years. Mm -hmm. But now we're entering into a completely new, I would say, dystopian world where big tech is now able to infringe upon free speech, you know, writ large. I mean, it not only just controls speech here in the States, but then also abroad in in, in the European Union and other countries. America and and the world has never faced a greater threat to free speech than today with the explosion of AI and all of these other platforms that at the click of a button can censor you completely from, mm-hmm. from their social media platforms where people do business. Um, Google in, in particular is particularly nefarious and censoring, um, censoring content from, from, you know, from people with views that it doesn't approve of. It's absolutely dystopian. Yes. We are literally living the script of Orwell's 1984. So what is Free Speech America? Free Speech America is MRC's answer to this, to this, you know, to this battleground, and we have been leading the charge and the fight and exposing just the breadth of the censorship that is occurring across the big tech landscape and how dangerous it is. You know, we've been banging, like we've been sounding the alarm bells for for a number of years, and it seems that legislators are starting to pay attention. Hey, this is no joke. If we don't have the First Amendment, if we don't have the ability to speak freely in this mm-hmm. country, then guess what? Every other freedom goes out the window. Because exactly everything right. hinges on our ability to speak freely. So yes. MRC, MRC Free Speech America is on the front lines fighting against this. And we are proud of the work and the research that we've done that have um, educated the American people about how serious the censorship threat is. Oh, a- absolutely. In fact, speaking of that, you know, we, we are seeing firsthand here in Oregon the statewide censoring that Oregon is trying to do. We just heard how they're doing it in Gilbert, Arizona at the local level. Do you have a sense of just how much censoring is really going on out there? And and do you think the average person really knows just how much censorship is going on right now? Well, what I would say is like on the state level, I mean, age, you know, Oregon is, is a particularly interesting case. I remember like in, I think it was in 2021, if I'm not mistaken, that the Oregon state, Oregon state legislature passed HB um, 2323, which essentially, you know, uh, you know, criminalize communicating materially false statements uh, with intent to, quote, mislead electors about date of election deadline um, for delivering ballots, voter registration deadlines, method of registering to vote. In other words, they were already in on this game from the, you know, from years ago. But then with the explosion of the disinformation governance board that the Biden administration had tried to institute, once that went defunct, a bunch of other states started saying, hey, you know what, that's a good idea. Let's start co-opting that into, at the state level. Mm. I mean, I remember just, just after um, the disinformation board went defunct, the New York Times came up with this story promoting something that the state of Connecticut was doing 
And this was the headline from the New York Times, quote, help wanted state misinformation sheriff. What in the world does that mean? Wow. What is a misinformation sheriff? I mean, so, so what? So like, so, any, so anything that people say now is going to come under the government's radar? That's terrifying. I mean, they make movies about this stuff. <laughs> you know, but I mean, so I mean, the fact that you know that Oregon has been you know is doing this. I remember that there was a loss, uh, a lawsuit that was filed um, to, I think it was, I think it was last year. I think it was in December, some somewhere around there. A lawsuit was filed to prohibit the Oregon governor from signing a contract with censorship vendors. And you know, and, you know, just the fact that you know that there seems to be this this ardent push to just control what people say and think. You know what? The 2020 election was really a turning point. And free, you know, in the fight for free speech, and not in a good way, because mm. legislators, lawmakers, finally realize that if you control the flow of information, that is the most powerful tool that you can have to gain the desired political results that you want. Yes. And guess what? Once you've tasted that power, they're not going to let it go. Mm-hmm. I mean, Madison, James Madison, observed this um, astutely in the in the Federalist Papers. He had observed that, um, you know, that 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 power is of an encroaching nature. So in other words, the more that you the more that you get, the more that you're going to desire. You're not going to relinquish any of it. And the governments, when disinformation started becoming more ma- a more mainstream idea, we started literally making Orwell's 1984 novel a reality, something that should have just stayed in the movies. But now, or state of, the states of Oregon and other states are now trying to make this the the new society that we're living in. It's no longer the America that we know it. Mm-hmm. It is now dystopia. Yes, and and I think a lot of people started to feel that. Certainly on on the right, I don't. Um, it's hard for me to think of anybody that I know personally that didn't get somehow censored on either Twitter or Facebook, or in some cases both. Uh, certainly in the twenty twenty election, when they were actively working with the FBI and some of these other government agencies to censor uh, conservatives, that was really quite alarming. And uh, as you say, I think that's kind of a wake up call there. Um, This next question is going to take a bit, so we're going to take a break a little bit early. Everyone stay with us. We'll have more with Joseph Vasquez. We're talking about free speech today. We're talking about free speech today here on the iSpire Radio Show. Free speech is going to be, I think, one of the top two issues in 2024, not least of which is because so much of government is apparently working to undermine and censor free speech, which they are constitutionally mandated to protect. But since when does that pesky constitution ever matter to the left? And uh, we are talking with Joseph Vasquez today. He is the associate editor for the Media Research Center's Free Speech America and oversees Free Speech America's Censor Trap Project, which involves documenting cases of big tech bias against conservatives. And um, you have an article. uh, I just found this uh, this morning, actually. It was published on Valentine's Day. Uh, You are professing your undying love and admiration for George Soros. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, not really. But you do say a leftist uh, legal group heavily funded by leftist billionaire George Soros is trying to convince a federal appellate court that the First Amendment right to free speech doesn't necessarily protect free speech. And this has real bearing on what's happening here in Oregon, because you go on to say that this leftist group, quote, argued that if the speech in question could be considered to constitute the murky concept of harmful election disinformation, First Amendment protections should be tossed to the curb. So this is rather shocking. T- talk to us about this case. Well, well, this refers to the Douglas Mackey case. You know, the, it's, it's the online Twitter. So pretty much now, if I was to sum this up in a, in a one-liner, memes are now verboten yes. in, uh, in, the, in the legal field now. Now you can't even post memes. And for Mackey, 
you know, he had posted uh, an anti-Hillary Clinton meme meme in 2016 that, you know, that was a that was a spoof ad. It was telling people text this number, vote from home and whatever. Yeah. It, you know, it's you know, it's false information. It's a meme. You know, you know, that that's what it is. But now this guy's getting his life, you know, raked over the coals in the legal sphere because he did this, even though it's still unknown to this day that if anyone who texted that number did not vote as a result of that. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that um, that, you know, initially the uh, uh, U.S. District Court judge had ruled against Mackey and sentenced him to prison. Yes. The second court, uh, the second circuit court of appeals later stayed the initial prison sentence until after the appeal was heard. But, you know, there was a number of amicus briefs that were filed, one of which pointed out that, you know, the First Amendment, you know, may, to- may this is their argument, quote, may tolerate narrowly defined bans on disseminating known lies regarding election procedures, I guess. But, however, it says, but Congress has not enacted any federal law that clearly criminalizes such conduct. So how could Mackey be in violation of a, of a law that doesn't necessarily exist? Hmm. So they had to stretch the meaning of Section 241 of what's known as the Ku Klux Klan Act to make it, to, to, you know, pretty much stretch the meaning of it in order to, to criminalize this guy. So what does that mean? What does that mean for free speech, you know, you know, writ large? So you post a meme that's that gets that gets put under that gets categorized under the vague concept of election disinformation. You could literally get dragged before the court. It's terrifying. Oh, I mean, absolutely. like, you know, whether you both. I mean, well, here's the funny. I posted this on Twitter a little while ago about this case. I said, let me tell you, like, free speech means you have the right to be an online troll. It also means that you have the right to be a complete idiot. Right. The First Amendment does not discriminate. You can you have the right to speak. And the thing is, the way that this group funded by Soros, I think it's to the tune of 10 million dollars, is arguing. This is their argument. They first of all, they racialized the case. They pretty much made it that if that if the Second Circuit overturns the initial prison sentence for Mackey, its argument is essentially that minority voters will be too stupid to think for themselves. This is is what they said in their press release about the amicus briefs that they filed. Uh, this is what they said, quote, if the court provides protection to the kind of conduct at issue in Mackey, it has the potential to threaten the exercise of the right to vote by populations targeted by such deceptions, often black communities and other communities of color. In other words, we're too stupid to think for ourselves. Latinos, uh, black Americans, um, and, you know, other minorities, they can't think for themselves. They need the government to step in and to, and to, tell, and to pretty much think for them. You know, you know, so to speak. So that's what's that's what's astonishing. But this is not new for Soros. I mean, I released a study in September 2023, showing that the Soros uh, empire had funneled at least over 14.8 million dollars to at least 50 leftist anti-free speech groups attempting to quash the so-called quote disinformation, you know, so to quash so-called disinformation online and elsewhere. Soros, you know, for all intents and purposes, is dedicated to quote correct think. That's what his goal is. His goal is to promote cor- correct think. And it's correct think that aligns with his dis- extremist worldview yes. on climate change, abortion, Marxist economics, you name it. You know, this is what Soros is looking to prevent. He knows that he knows this game, which yeah. is why he's funding groups that are looking to control the information flow. He finances media. He's deeply invested in, in, uh, in media, you know, and you wonder why there's, we fight liberal media bias. Well, he's very much involved in it. And then he's also involved in, you know, pouring ungodly amounts of cash into influencing elections, yep. including at the state level and the local levels with the district attorneys that are not prosecuting crime in their cities. And now also looking to get into the, into the dystopian battle 
looking to squash our ability to be able to speak freely. Yeah, you know, you know it's, it, it's, that's, it's, it's terrifying. Yeah, it, it's absolutely terrifying. And it's sadly ironic that George Soros grew up in Nazi-controlled Hungary where he saw firsthand the horrors of dictatorship. And now here he is, uh, decades later, wealthy and living in America, and yet his outlook is, you know those Nazis really knew what they were doing. Totalitarianism is totally the way a country should be run. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's shocking that he's doing what he's doing. And as I mentioned, Oregon has contracted with an AI firm, which is not even located in America. It's over in the U.K. to spy nope. on, monitor, and track whatever the Democrats in charge consider to be uh, mis-, dis-, or mal-information about the elections. Um, how do you view the use of AI to monitor public discourse about elections, whether it's in Oregon or any of these other states? Because I think there's like 26 of them that have similar programs. All of these are just uh, happen to be run by Democrats. Oh, it's insane. You know, the logically AI, which is what the the, um, the Oregon government is looking to mm-hmm. implement, mm-hmm. you know, it's based, in, it, it's based in the UK. And then my, immediately, uh, my immediate thought when I saw that is, I thought foreign, foreign interference was a bad thing. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> but now you but if you if it if it serves the left's purpose, they have no problem using uh using foreign entities in order to influence well, elections. But now it's, it's, but it's okay. not yeah, but it's not located in Russia. That's the important thing. No, I mean like it, it has to be from the from the right countries or whatever, but then foreign <laughs> interference is a good thing. Right. But you know the the, the 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 even more terrifying thing is that this particular entity is being financed by the British government itself to monitor COVID-19 misinformation. Mm-hmm. So it's a government-funded entity that, that, that now apparently the Oregon government is looking to implement to monitor uh, elections for 2024. That's, and then apparently it used it, I think, for the midterms as well. That's, that's insane. It, 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 it's, yes. To say it's dystopian is it, to be putting it mildly. But, you know, the funny thing is, is that according to Lee Fong, um, an investigative reporter who just testified before Congress on this, he was saying that, the foundation of logically AI, the the purpose or like the genesis of this was a response to Brexit, which um, which uh, you know which um, the founder attributed to quote lies that pushed the UK into voting in favor of Brexit wow. or leaving the European Union. So in other words, the Trumpian event uh, uh, in the UK cannot happen again, and that's why logically AI was founded. And apparently, that's okay to employ stateside. Like, like in, in Oregon. So in other words, they want to ensure that a Trumpian-like outcome, like what happened with Brexit, does not happen again. And apparently this is considered to be uh, a useful tool in order to monitor election information here on the home front. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, that should terrify every citizen of Oregon. Oh, oh, absolutely it should. It absolutely should. Okay, uh, everyone stay with us. We are up against break here. We're talking with Joseph Vasquez. Uh, coming up, we're going to wrap up about free speech here in Oregon and the AI monitoring system. Stay with us. And welcome back in our final segment now here on the Ice Radio Show. We're talking free speech today, and we're doing that right now with Joseph Vasquez. He is the associate editor for the Media Research Center's Free Speech America, and he also oversees their Censor Track project. And we'll put links to both of those up on iSpyRadio.com. Just look for show 1407. You know, it, it's not just about censoring free speech about elections. It's the slippery slope that the vast majority of Democrats and certainly the Democrat Party itself seem to not only be okay with the slippery slope, but actually appear to be enjoying the ride down and the whooshing sound of rights we used to enjoy as they go flying by. It is truly sad and disheartening to see what the Democrat Party has become. As far as this AI program is concerned, 
how can conservatives and others who are concerned about free speech and about elections advocate for their rights and push back against what they see as government overreach? Is it only about filing lawsuits or are there some other things that you're seeing elsewhere that are effective? Well, the number one thing that you can do is, you know, is number one is number one. You have to you have to you know, you have to check your own facts, you know, um, think for yourself. Do not you know, pay attention to everything that you that you hear coming from government or anywhere else. The government is looking to control the way you think. And if it cannot control the way you think, then you're winning the battle. And that happens when you're, you know, I, I have this I have this saying that I use when, when people ask me, what can we do to combat this? Because it seems kind of, you know, hopeless at this point when you see just the extent of it. And then you say, well, the squeaky wheel gets the grease or, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Make noise. Go, you know, contact your state legislatures, contact, you know, go, go to state assembly meetings, however you can get involved in the legislative process, make your voice heard. You know, the, a lot of the reason why a lot of this has been able to happen is because it's been swept right under the rug. It doesn't happen. It's not publicized by the media because we have a media that is in cahoots with the government. They're actually uh, they're actually doing the bidding of the very entity that they're supposed to be you know, holding to account. So we can't even trust them. So it's incumbent upon the citizenry. It is incumbent upon us to make noise. The left did this, you know, had, had been doing this for years. They're, they're the ones that go to Capitol Hill. They're the ones that go to the state legislatures and they make noise. But this is about the fundamental rights that our, you know, that our children will or will not be able to enjoy if we don't take a stand now. Yes. So that's why I tell you know, make those phone calls. Make the effort to make those phone calls. This is not just one of those, okay, yeah, this is a great story, and then you move on. No, your future depends on it. And these lawmakers work for you, not the other way around. And I know that sounds like a cliche, but it's true. And if you, it, it is incumbent upon the, the reason why Congress right now Congress right now is making is making hay over this issue is because the MRC and others have made noise at the federal level. And it also needs to happen at the state level as well. The First Amendment is on the line and the American people, both in Oregon and in states across the country, need to start making a lot of noise. Yes, they do. And that, you know, I, I said earlier, I think free speech is probably the top issue in 2024, but the other one right behind that is people getting involved. And so uh, I, I think you're absolutely right, is people cannot be silent anymore. Um, there is an ongoing lawsuit right now, and full disclosure, I am one of the plaintiffs in that case. And the state is trying to say that, oh, no one's going to have their free speech affected because of this program, uh, which I think is absolutely not true. Uh. The moment that you introduce any kind of monitoring program to peer over someone's shoulders, uh, of course free speech is going to be impacted. Uh, how would you respond to that? I saw this reporting from the Daily Caller that apparently the Oregon Secretary of State is asserting that her office has, quote, no authority, ability, or desire to censor speech. And I'm looking, I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> are you kidding me? I mean, that's like telling me that a carnivore has no ability or desire to eat meat. Right. I mean, <laughs> right. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's insanity. It's like, okay, we're going to do this we're, we're going to do this, but we're not going to do what you, like, you know, what we, what you clearly see that we're doing. I mean, it's, it's insanity. It's like, okay, don't believe your lying eyes. I mean, I mean, goodness sakes. I mean, that's Pravda at its, at its finest. I mean, like, you, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous that they could engage in this kinds of actions. Oh, but trust us, we're not doing this because we want to censor you. We just want to secure the election uh, by possibly censoring you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's comedy. I mean, like yes. it's comedy. You know, it's like the veil between tragedy, and, uh, tra the veil between tragedy and comedy is very thin. 
right? So things get so bad, and it all of a sudden it just it becomes comedy at this point. They're doing all this, and then they lie straight to your faces saying, nah, you know, we're not trying to censor you, but yeah, we're kind of creating an apparatus that's actually engineered towards censoring it. I mean, yeah. come on, it's a joke. Yeah, oh, oh absolutely is. And this notion that, oh, somehow knowing that the state is monitoring things that you're saying online isn't going to impact free speech. I mean, that's just BS because... Trust us. But yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Trust us. Trust yeah. us. Yeah, but, you know, if a meme can get you in jail, I mean, how does this monitoring situation not chill free speech? Well, I mean, it, it's 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 the whole purpose of, of just you know monitoring elections and, and, and things of that nature, monitoring the way people are speaking. I mean, for, I mean, for, for goodness sakes, I mean... When we had the Twitter files, and now we're just with the release of the Amazon files, yes. the Facebook files that came out. I mean, for goodness sakes, you have this back-channeling going on for God knows how long. I mean, like, you know, the FBI and other government agencies trying to police you know, get information through the back door without anybody knowing it. I mean, goodness, I mean, if people don't think that that's the greatest threat to free speech that we're currently facing now, then I don't know what's going to convince them otherwise. I mean, we're talking about... You're talking about the greatest fundamental threat to the Constitution for the foreseeable future. And I, just to let um, your listeners know, um, MRC Free Speech America just released a new study on OpenAI. Apparently, when we did an analysis of its chatbot, uh, ChatGPT, we found, like, when we, we asked it, you know, two questions. You know, one, what are, the, um, what are considered to be the top five worst um, worst sources or whatever. And sure enough, the, uh, the outlet said it listed, the worst sources on the internet were all right-leaning, uh, were right-leaning sources. But when we asked it, what are the most reliable sources, the, be- the five best news sources in America? What are the five best news sources in America? This was the list that it gave us. This is what OpenAI gave us. The Associated Press, National Public Radio, The New York Times, and of course, and then they also put out the Wall Street Journal and BBC News. We asked it, what are the five best news sources in America? And it listed BBC News, which is not even based in the U.S. Well, ridiculous. I mean, well, you're, you're, you're AI. Yeah. You're, you're given this that list, AI. and I'm thinking, oh, please don't let CNN be on there. Please don't let CNN be on there. But so I guess they missed <laughs> that one. So you know, we'll give them that much of a credit. Unfortunately, we are against the clock, and this has been a lot of fun, and we're definitely going to have to have you back. Joseph Vasquez, he's the associate editor for the Media Research Center's Free Speech America and their uh, Center Track Project. We'll put links to both of those up on iSpyRadio.com. Joseph, this has been great. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me. Look forward to talking with you more later. Absolutely. If you're not allowed to speak out against democracy and can't criticize those in power, then guess what? It's no longer a democracy. You are imprisoned in whatever system your betters say you're allowed to have. What's so troubling about this is that the censorship is almost exclusively from the left to censor those on the right. And that's why we all need to fight this. Because once one side does it, the other side will. If you're a Democrat and you're not speaking up about this now, then you are truly the cause of the problem. Because government officials who themselves are on the left won't listen to those they're censoring. That's why they're censoring them. They don't want to hear opinions from the other side but they will listen to those on their own side who say this needs to stop, that this must stop. Those who do not speak up when their side is doing it to others have no moral authority nor any right to complain when the other side eventually does it to them. All sides need to not be silent on this, because as we say every week, the best information is you no good if you don't use it. Reagan, what do you think? I do not believe in a faith that will fall on us no matter what we do. 
I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. It's more than a show. It's self-defense. The I Spy Radio Show.